Yes, I'm hoping that this is streaming. Okay. Okay, sorry again, everyone. Um, my first time, so. <clears throat> Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yenatasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Siddhantot Palasara Nityarasikam Hangsam Vilasatmakam Odariyakya Sudama Sevakadhanam Vishramba Bhakti Pradam Yachna Jukti Vichakshanam Tvagabiro Vaishishta Shaktya Sada Vandeham Tripurari Namakayatim Shri Bhakti Vedantinam Namaom Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Swami Shri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhupada Yate Namaha Gurvagyam Shirasi Dretva Shaktya Vesha Swarupine Hare Krishna Timantrena Paschatya Prachatarine Vishvacharya Prabhardhyaya Divya Karunya Murtaye Shri Bhagavata Madurja Gita Gyana Pradayine Gaura Shri Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishevine Radha Krishna Padambhoja Bringaya Gurave Namaha Devam Divyatanum Suchanda Vadanam Balarka Chelanchitam Sandrananda Puram Sadeka Varanam Bairagya Vidyam Budim Shri Siddhanta Nidhim Subhakti Lasitam Sarasvatanam Baram Vandetam Shubadam Madeka Sharanam Nyasishvaram Shridharam Vancha Kalpataru Bhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyayevacha Patitanam Pavane Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha Vancha Kalpataru Bhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyayevacha Patitanam Pavane Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha So um, thank you everyone for coming. Um, let's see. So I'm going to speak on the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Um, almost exactly 10 years ago, I received um, some instructions on how to study the first chapter uh, from my Guru Maharaj, Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari. And uh, he gave me uh, eight points. So I was thinking that throughout this month, I'm going to uh, cover them. And the first point is, what is the significance of the two names for chapter one? 
So the two names for chapter one are, um, one is uh, Vishada Yoga, which is uh, the yoga of despair. And Gurumanch makes the point that we, like we are all always in despair, but it, it requires some, some Sukriti for us to turn that despair into, into a yoga. Uh, there is the verse, uh, in, in, further on in Bhagavad Gita in 714, uh, where it talks about the four types of uh, people who turn towards Krishna. And uh, and it's, it's four types of, it's, it's actually, um, it's one type of person. It's, it's a person who has Sukriti. And so people who have Sukriti will uh, surrender to Krishna in, in, uh, in four different circumstances. One is when they are suffering, one is if they desire wealth, uh, one is if they're, if they're curious, and, and one is if they are, are in knowledge of the self. Um, so one can be in knowledge of the self, one can have, one can suffer, one can want wealth, and one can be curious, but without having Sukriti. And then, then one will not uh, surrender to Krishna in, in a situation like that. Uh, but Arjuna is, is a turning, turning to Krishna in his despair. And uh, as has been pointed out, we, we turn to the Bhagavad Gita in our despair, if we are fortunate. And uh, so, so this, is an, this is like an ancient chapter uh, title uh, name for this chapter vishada yoga it was used by uh, the ancient commentator sridhar swami and um, then vishwanath chakravarti thakur who was the first in our lineage to give a full commentary on bhagavad gita he he changed the name or he used another name for this chapter which is uh, uh, sainya Shainya or Sainya Darshana, which is observing the, the armies on the battlefield. And this is the, the chapter title that also Prabhupada is using in his Bhagavad Gita as it is. Whereas uh, Guru Maharaj, my Guru Maharaj has used the, gone back to the, to the old one, Vishada Yoga. Um, so the, the Sanya Darshana name of the chapter, observing the, the armies on the battlefield, um, may refer both to uh, Duryodhan, how he's observing the armies and comparing them and, and, and speaking to um, Bhishma. And it can also be uh, Arjuna when he sees, when he's observing the armies. Um, next point uh, in studying the first chapter was to, is to, or like the second instruction I got was to to be prepared to give an overview of the entire chapter uh, and explain its significance. And the significance is like it's the chapter that. Um, 
kind of ties, because Bhagavad Gita appears in Mahabharata, as I'm sure all of you know. So the first chapter is, is kind of the, uh, kind of getting into getting into the to the setting uh, where Bhagavad Gita is spoken, and then from the second chapter, Krishna is starting to give instructions. Um, like it is said that Krishna starts speaking in uh, in the second chapter, but he says a few important words in the first chapter. Also, he says four words, I believe. Um, and we will get to that. First, I was thinking to to just get a, a view of uh, who is like, like like when we are reading the text, who who is who is it that is speaking? Because uh, Vyasadeva is the one. Vyasadeva is the one narrating the story as a whole, like the whole Mahabharata. Uh, but in this instance here, he is um, he is narrating how. Sanjaya is narrating. So it's a narration within a narration. So in the first verse, uh, it's Vyasadev narrating uh, Dhritarashtra speaking to Sanjaya. Uh, Dhritarashtra is asking Sanjaya what is happening at Kurukshetra, where his sons and the sons of Pandu has, have assembled to fight. Uh, in the next verse, uh, Vyasadev still narrating. Sanjaya is speaking to Dhritarashtra, telling him that um, he, uh, he, he alludes to the superiority of the Pandavas and he alludes to Duryodhana's silver-tongued speech that is about to come. Um, and I said the wrong <laughs> name before. Duryodhana is speaking to Dronacharya, not to Bhishma. So from verses three till 11, Duryodhana is speaking to, to his, uh, I think to his general or uh, Dronacharya, uh, praising, praising their own army and uh, um, kind of saying how, but, but at the same time, uh, uh, saying that we will all lay down our lives, which which has the the kind of deeper meaning that actually they will all die on the battlefield. Uh, then from text twelve to twenty, it's Sanjaya speaking to Dhritarashtra about how the how everyone starts blowing the conscious and the the war is about to begin. Then it's Arjuna speaking to Krishna, asking him to, to move the chariot so that he can see the two armies. And then Sanjaya speaks to Dhritarashtra, narrating how uh, Krishna moves the chariot. And here comes the, the four words or so in Sanskrit that Krishna says to, to, to Arjuna. It's see all the, the Kurus assembled here. And um, this is very important because Gurmach makes the point that, like, here is where, where Krishna is showing Arjuna all of his attachments. 
And uh, so, so like th this is the point of the first chapter. Yeah, like Krishna is showing us our attachments and Guru Maharaj makes the point that um, we that the devotees often go go on for like read on from there, but without actually um, processing what Krishna is saying there. And then from text 28 to 45, Arjuna speaks to Krishna. And that's where he's giving all his reasons for not fighting in the war. And finally, Sanjaya speaks to Dhritarashtra, telling him that, uh, um, that Arjuna drops his bow which is a, sh uh, a shocking event because Arjuna is known as uh, the best fighter. Then um, the third point is to explain how the, how the entire message of the Gita is found in the first verse. Um, and, uh, and here, because like in the, wor in the words of the first verse, uh, you can kind of draw out everything from there, like from the, the lowest of uh, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high, like from the depth of of material attachment to the heights of um, spiritual uh, perfection, and um, and this is seen. Uh, there ha there are several articles. Uh, written about this. Of course, there is my Guru Maharaj's commentary on the first verse of the Gita, and then Ashram Maharaj wrote an article about that, that it's on the Harmonist, from selfishness to selfless love, um, in the first verse of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, so the verse goes, Dhritarashtra uvacha, dharma kshetre kuru kshetre, samaveta yuyutsava, Mamaka Pandavas Chaiva Kima Kurvata Sanjaya. Dhritarashtra said, O Sanjaya, what did my sons and the sons of Pandu do after assembling on the religious field of Kurukshetra eager to fight? And um, so what is uh, symbolizing or what is showing here the, the, the kind of the, the low point is uh, the word mom, mama, um, which because Dhritarashtra is asking, what did my sons and the sons of Pandu do? As if it's as if they are two families, but it's actually one family uh, that has become split, and and uh, this is very much because of Dhritarashtra's attachment to his own sons. So, the, so they are cousins uh, fighting on either side of the battlefield. So, to, so, so this low, the low point is to, is this, um, that we identify uh, with this body and, and we identify as ours what is related to this body. But then the, the high point of the verse is that it says Kurukshetre, so the, the whole bat the battle is played out on Kurukshetra. And uh, 
it's not the first time that Krishna is there. He has been there uh, uh, several times, but most notably uh, 50 years before this, when he met the gopis there. So, so just the word Kurukshetra is, uh, like brings the Gaudiya Vaishnava's minds to, um, I believe it's the, the 82nd chapter of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam in the conversation between Krishna and the gopis there. And then we also have the in-between in this verse here, like how to, how to get from, how to get from this low point to the high point is shown by the word Sanjaya, which is the name of the, the speaker here who is speaking to Dhritarashtra, narrating the battle. Um, so the word Sanjaya means to, means complete victory and it means complete victory over one's uh, senses. So, so conquering one's uh, senses through uh, Dharma, one goes from uh, the low point of material attachment to the high point of spiritual perfection. And I wanted to read from what I mentioned before, why it's important to, to, uh, to study chapter one. The few words of that Krishna speaks in the first chapter. So this is from, I'm reading from uh, the Yoga of Dejection by Satyananayan Das Babaji. Commenting on this verse, text 25 in the first chapter. Krishna placed the chariot between both armies and furthermore directly in front of Bhishma and Drona, though so many other kings were present. He then said, O Arjuna, behold the Kauravas assembled here. There was no need for him to say this as Arjuna had already twice declared that he wanted to observe who desired to fight. Krishna's purpose was to lay threadbare Arjuna's attachments, and thus he chose the word Kurun, which indicates his relatives on both sides. Instead of uh, Dhartarashtran, which specifically refers to the sons of Dhritarashtra, by doing, so, doing this, he presented before Arjuna the two things he was most attached to, his family members headed by Bhishma and his gurus headed by Drona. At this moment, Arjuna was face to face with his attachments. The message implied is that if one wants to be with Krishna, one has to abandon all attachments unrelated to the Lord. This incident also signifies that the Lord reveals one's attachments. Bhishma was a lifelong celibate, well-versed in the intricacies of Varnashram duties. He was a great fighter who could hold off death until he desired it. Furthermore, he was one of the 12 Mahajans or authorities on Dharma and a great devotee of Krishna. Drona was a Brahmana 
a sage and the favorite teacher of Arjuna. He was also devoted to Krishna. However, since they had been seduced by Duryodhana's clever politics and were on the wrong side, they had to be killed. Krishna was teaching Arjuna that if he wanted his guidance, if he wanted him to drive his chariot, he would have to uh, sever his attachment for everyone who was on the wrong side. Not only that, but Arjuna would have to kill them himself. Of the many warriors from the opposing army, Bhishma and Drona were most prominent. If they could be killed, the rest would easily be disposed of and victory would bow at Arjuna's feet. This is why Krishna positioned the chariot in front of Bhishma and Drona. The primary instruction of the Bhagavad Gita is found in Krishna's declaration in the final chapter, abandon all other duties and surrender unto me. By this, he does not mean partial surrender like that of Bhishma and Drona, who though great personages had placed their obligation to Duryodhana before their surrender to Krishna. Krishna does not accept this compromise. He demands complete surrender. Even great stalwarts like Bhishma and Drona had to be killed. Bhishma's favorite Pandava was Arjuna. If someone is a skilled athlete, he generally likes it when other junior family members become accomplished athletes. Similarly, if one is a talented musician, he feels drawn to other good musicians in his family, especially when they come in his own dynasty. Bhishma was an Atirati, and so was Arjuna, and thus they had special affection for each other. A great fighter is especially inclined to other fighters in his family. Arjuna was the best disciple of Dronacharya, who loved Arjuna like his own son. Drona taught things to Arjuna that he would not even teach to his son Ashvatthama, such as how to retract the Brahmastra weapon. It is intriguing to note that Drona once made Arjuna take an oath in the presence of his relatives that if Drona would ever oppose him in battle, he should nevertheless fight with full vigor, disregarding that Drona was his teacher. Such great persons stood before Arjuna while Krishna said, Behold the Kauravas, O Arjuna. Duryodhana had also told Dronacharya to look at the Pandavas, as he would have to oppose them in battle. But his motive was different. So here, Krishna told Arjuna that he had to kill his greatest attachments. Then he smiled and awaited Arjuna's reaction. This is an intense and significant event, and one should try for a moment to put oneself in Arjuna's place. Imagine your family members and gurus in front of you, and Krishna tells you that if you want to be on his side, you have to kill them. Killing here means giving up attachment to such people or concepts. Coming to spiritual life means that all attachments unrelated to Krishna will be exposed in due course, and everyone has to undergo this trying experience. The same relations or attachments can be viewed independently or in relation to Krishna. For example, parents or teachers can be regarded as independent relations or as representatives of Krishna. The former view is the cause of bondage and is thus to be abandoned by a spiritualist, 
while the latter leads to progress. People often say that their minds were often, um, people often say that their minds were more peaceful before they took to spiritual practice. When they chant or meditate, many nonsensical thoughts plague their minds and make them restless. Why does this happen? These disturbing thoughts came from within and the more one practices, the more one becomes aware of them. They are lying hidden in a seed form and Krishna reveals them to his devotee so he can fight and overcome them. One cannot conquer an unknown enemy. That is an illusion. Krishna is not a magic helper who touches your head and makes you perfect. He makes you fight and earn progress or advancement. He will place your chariot directly in front of your attachments and you will have to confront them. Actually, if after seeing and recognizing the obstacles, one decides to fight, victory is already assured. It is just a matter of time. Thus, while showing the universal form to Arjuna, Krishna said about the warriors on the field, they are already killed by my arrangement, just become an instrument in the fight. After identifying the enemy, one has to decide whether or not to fight with them. Arjuna first decided not to fight, and this is generally how people react. Those who decide not to fight cannot progress beyond the first chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And this is what happens to the majority of people who approach the spiritual path. They never get to the second chapter of the Gita in terms of practical action. They may read, recite shlokas and give lectures, but they don't factually progress past the first chapter owing to a lack of sincerity. Arjuna's admirable quality was that he was sincere and willing to accept good instruction. He was thoughtful and thus able to recognize his weakness, cowardice and attachment. At first, he decided to flee from the field, but thereafter he chose to listen to Krishna, which was which is what most people fail to do. They fail to listen to Shastra. They rationalize their actions. As Arjuna did in the first chapter and spend their lives posing as spiritualists. They don't progress, however, because true spirituality begins from the second chapter. For the uncommitted practitioner, running away from the battlefield doesn't generally entail abandoning spiritual life altogether, but rationalizing his attachments and compromising with wrong deeds. Externally, such a person seems to be pursuing the path, while internally he seeks various uh, routes of escape. This type of hypocrisy goes unnoticed by common people. The first chapter describes the problem facing the candidate and how he deals with it according to the misconceptions he has heard from various sources. He rationalizes and even quotes scripture to substantiate his conclusions. Even the devil can do this, but he will not accept what the Shastra and Krishna say. The Gita stresses the importance of understanding the problem becoming aware of how the mind can deceive us and accepting the solution offered by Krishna. Next, we will see how Arjuna became completely bewildered and refused to fight. At this stage, he accurately portrays those who come to spiritual life with some determination, but after a few years of floundering, 
they again indulge in material comforts, all the while speaking on lofty spiritual topics. <clears throat> so, some strong words. Um, and yeah, this has, this has stuck with me here because Guru Maharaj has been like repeating in his lectures um, this this commentary, and uh, <clears throat> it's um, it's uh, it's as uh, Ashram Maharaj was mentioning on in his class on Tuesday that um, uh, Ahamta and Mamata is our anchor in this world. And that means uh, I-ness and mine-ness, what we consider, uh, what we consider I and what we consider ours. And, um, and the cure for that is to, to, um, to understand that one, uh, that I am Krishna's and Krishna is mine. And I also had some thoughts. Um, because um, because I was thinking, uh, like, what, like, what is the point of me uh, speaking all this? When I have attachments and speakers with attachments are not going to change very much the hearts of those who listen, or even himself. Um, but then I thought of the, the, the woodcutter whom Vyasadev is sending to, to Shukadev to, um, to speak some Bhagavatam verses to attract him back to Badrikashram. And uh, so hopefully there are some, some Shukadevs out there that, I, <laughs> that I've been, that may have heard this. I wanted to, to read Srila Shida Maharaj's um, narration of that because it's interesting. It's uh, that story. I, I always thought it was in the Bhagavatam, the story of the Vyasadeva and the woodcutter and Shukadev, but it's, it's from Brahma Vaivarta Purana in some edition that it's not available anymore, but uh, Jiva Goswami is, is quoting it in Tattva Sandarbha. Um, because Shukadev left home as soon as he was born, and Vyasadev wanted him to hear the Bhagavatam. So, so he's he, like he knew that, that Shukadev could only be attracted by something that, that was higher than 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 self-realization, because Shukadev was already self-realized. Um, and. So the only thing that it's that it says in Brahma Vaivarta Purana is that Vyasadev somehow or other uh, 
made Shukadev hear some Bhagavatam verses. And then in the oral tradition, it has become the story with the woodcutter. And some people say that it was actually Vyasadev's disciples. Vyasadev sent out his disciples to, to chant verses. Um, and and hope and hoping that Shukadev was would somehow hear them out in the forest somewhere. Um, so here's Srila Shirimaraj. It's also there are also many theories about which Bhagavatam verses. Um, but Srila Shirimaraj has his his opinion and he's repeating it three times here. So it's he he really thinks it should be <laughs> Canto 10, chapter 1, text 4, that the woodcutter or disciples were reciting. So Srila Shiramaraj says um, that he was feeling uh, about Shukadev leaving, he was feeling that Moksha, the Brahma Gyan, has been given the highest position. Now the higher conception that has been given to me by Narada Muni must be delivered to the world by a person whose Brahmagyan is unquestionably admitted by all the scholars. So he searched for Shukadev. Shukadev is the only person who is very widely respected by the so-called liberationists. This higher doctrine should be brought to light through him. And then the position of Bhagavatam will be automatically unchallengeable. So he hunted after Shukadev. He sent a woodsman whose business uh, it was to cut down trees in the jungle and dense forest, and who made a trade from that. He told this, this shloka to that woodcutter, Nivrita tarsheir upagiya manad, bhavashaudach chotramano viramat, kautama shloka gunanu vadat puman virajeta vinav pasugnat. Wherever you will find a boy like my son, you will try to chant this shloka. You always wander in the dense forest, and my boy is there, roaming hither and thither in the jungle. It is very difficult to trace his whereabouts because he does not stay in one location, always roaming and wandering. He lives on only leaves and fruits, and he takes water from the river. Suddenly, one day, this shloka caught Shukadev's attention. What do these woodcutters say? Nivrita tarsheirupagiya manad, bavoshadach chotra mano biramat, ka utamashloka gunanu vadat puman virajeta vinapasupnat. This big sound with high meaning, where did they get it from? Then, after hearing twice, thrice, he approached them. What do you say? They again repeated, Nivrita tarsheirupagiya manad. Who have had all their thirst quenched, satisfied, they come and sing this song. Bavo Shadhat, it is the medicine for the solution to birth and death. Shrotra Mano Bhiramat, and it is always pleasing to the senses. The senses should not be considered as one's eternal enemy and eliminated from any utility. They can be utilized. This song is very sweet for all the senses. Shrotra Mano Bhiramat, both the ear and mind are, are pleased by a high class of joy. Ka Uttama Shloka Gunanu Vadat, Puman Virajeta Vina Pasubnat. 
who but a suicide will keep such a conception of life, such a model ideal of his life at a distance? Only a self-killer can do so. Otherwise, one who is wakeful to his real interest can never avoid the Uttama Shloka Gunanuvada, the praise and prayer of the highest entity, the Lord Absolute. Who can keep himself aloof from this highest conception of life, which is beyond even moksha? Then, after having a glimpse into the meaning of this shloka, this poem of Bhagavatam, Shukadev inquired, where did you obtain this shloka? At Badarik Ashram. Can you show me the place? Yes, come. And they took him to Vyasadev. He could recognize, oh, this is my father's ashram. Vyasadev, my father, requested me to stay with him, but I did not care for that. I ran away to the forest to avoid human society. To avoid being influenced by human society's designing attitude, I left it. However, for the solution I find in this shloka, I cannot but inquire from him. So he came and asked his father the meaning of the shloka. Srila Vyasadev then explained according to the angle of vision that Devarshi Narada had recently given him. So, so, so he heard, so Shukadev heard from the, from the woodcutter and then he, he went directly to Vyasadev himself. Because it, it is important, like, uh, we, may, we may hear something at first from, uh, like we may pick up a book somewhere or, or hear from uh, some practitioner about Krishna, but then we need to go to those who have realization. It's, uh, it's nice how um, like if we read the, like when we read the, the text of Bhagavad Gita and we can, and we can meditate on how it's traditionally said to, uh, to have come, that it was uh, Ganesh writing it down, listening to Vyasadev speaking. And Vyasadev is, is, is repeating what he's hearing from, from Sanjaya and he was choosing Sanjaya to, to narrate the story of uh, the Battle of Kurukshetra because, because he was highly qualified, uh, because he was without attachment. So, so you have someone without attachment narrating, and then you have Vyasadev, who's also without attachment, narrating to Ganesh. And um, uh, Ganesh also has this uh, deal with Vyasadev that he he can only write down if he understands. So, so, so even just the it's like what we are reading is not just someone who who heard something high, but someone who heard it heard it and understood it before they wrote it down also. So it's very potent. Um, even more nice to meditate on is that there is a there is said to be a manuscript of Bhagavad Gita in um, Goridas Pandit's temple in Ambika Kalna. So, so, the, so the, like, so, like when you read the Bhagavad Gita text, you can you can meditate that you have that uh, copy in front of you that it's 
Mahaprabhu's own handwriting. Okay, um, that is all I can think of for now. Uh, if anyone has any questions or want to share something about Bhagavad Gita, maybe maybe someone has um, has had nice experiences reading from the first chapter. I'm Shamananda. It's Gurnishta here. Can you hear me, Shamananda? Oh, I have to allow people to unmute. <laughs> uh, how do we do that? Okay, so I'm not sure how to allow people to unmute, but if anyone wants to comment, in, no, is, is there no chat either? Yeah. Okay. Okay, otherwise, uh, thank you all for coming and um, tolerating my um, oh. I can't hear you. So, so I'm not sure how to. He has to put English and. Uh, oh, yeah. Mute uh, if, original audio. Okay, if Kuranishta puts uh, English and then mute original audio, I should be able to hear. See him? Uh -huh. Actually, he's writing here um, uh. that he's using his computer and he doesn't know how to, to do it on this one. Uh, tell him down there, where is the world? Mm -hmm. uh, oh. oh, now I hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just one click. Pranam, thank you for the class. It was nice. Uh, I had a, I like that point that how like Krishna reveals our attachments. Hmm. And um, I was wondering if you had any more thoughts on how, what does that exactly mean? Like Krishna reveals, like say for a sadhaka, like what does that mean? What does hmm. it look like in practice? Oh, so that came up in a Swami call some weeks ago when someone asked, I think it was maybe Brigo who asked about the 10th offense. Um, like what, is, what, is, what does it mean that it is an offense to Krishna's name? to maintain material attachments, uh, even though one knows the glories of Krishna's name. And, uh, and, and Guru Maharaj kind of gave the two translations of that, uh, of that offense. One translation is very, very um, 
very uh, I say harsh. That that's that translation is saying um, that it's an offense to Krishna's name to have attachments, even though one has heard the glories of Krishna's name. Um, whereas the more uh, generous translation is it is it is an offense to maintain material attachments even though one has understood the glories of Krishna's name. So that I think makes more sense also. Um, and Gurmach was uh, saying there how, how like, um, uh, like, like uh, it will like in the course of practice, it will become apparent to you time after time. Like if, if something, if something is, uh, if something kind of comes up time after time, like this is something I should give up, but then one still maintains that um, anartha or uh, or so, then that like that is an offense. Um, how it looks when when it is revealed, I guess he can reveal it through, uh, circ I guess through circumstances. Um, I'm trying to think of some example. <laughs> um, I, do you think it could be said that the process of chanting is almost like uh, the same thing as Krishna pulling up the, the chariot in front of the armies or something and then you start chanting and all this stuff starts coming up and that's kind of what uh, Satya Narayan was saying in his book I guess you sit down and get really uncomfortable about just try to meditate or chant I don't know that just I've never thought of that mm. that chapter in that way but it just came to me when he was talking about that mm. yes actually like now that you say it I also made that connection from from the commentary that, that like when he was mentioning how how people often say that they they feel more disturbed since they started spiritual practice than before and and I, I remember when um, when when Doyal Hari was going out to sell books uh, going out from Audaria to sell books um, he he was saying that it's like telling people that like this book is is telling you about uh, problems that you you didn't know that you have. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and yeah, that is that is one way that Gurmach has explained that like if if you chant, then then you will become distracted by you will become distracted from the chanting, and then you can see that as Krishna showing you what it is that keeps you away from from the chanting so like it's actually a very practical uh way to to get one's attachments revealed thank you thank you Anyone else have a comment or anything they want to share? Mm. If you do, you need to press English and mute original audio.
Okay. Thank you all very much. I actually made it to, to the end of the hour, but that was because I was 10 minutes late also. <laughs> but I was I was not sure I, I, I would even be able to speak for 15 minutes. Uh, okay, thank you all very much. Shamananda